Hey, everyone. We want to take a moment to tell you about the sponsor of this podcast, Roosevelt's. You may know Roosevelt's as the company who makes those rad all-over print button-downs with just about every franchise that you love. They, of course, have Star Wars, because this is a Star Wars podcast, but they also have Harry Potter, Disney, Pixar, Marvel, NASA, WWE, The Office, Nickelodeon, Rick and Morty, Friends, all kinds of other stuff, including new lines from Yellowstone and The Godfather. And not just button-downs, but t-shirts, they do shorts, jackets, hoodies, koozies, flannels, so many different kinds of items, so many dope designs. So if you're interested in picking something up for the first time, go to rsvlts.com and use promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off your first purchase. Once again, that's rsvlts.com. Use promo code THANKTHEMAKER to get 20% off of your first purchase. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. there and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm Adam Russell. Adam, it's Nick. What's up? Oh, it's Nick. Yeah. Damn, you look like somebody else for a second. I thought somebody was like wearing a, a Nick skin mask, but it, it actually is you. It's because I'm in Boise. Oh. I look different when I'm in Boise. Mountain time just changes the way everything yeah, looks. Business center, mountain time. How many copies are you making back there? Oh, my God. Faxes. Making copies. Remember that, old people? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Making copies. Was it Rob Schneider? No? Yeah, yeah, it's Rob yeah. Schneider. Classic. Classic SNL. All right. Let's talk Star Wars because time is limited. Nick is on the first of very few days off in the past uh, how long? We can mm. have two well, weeks. Well, technically, I had a day off Sunday, but I flew to Portland to hang out with the Roosevelt's guys and go to mm. a convention. So I didn't really get to relax much. Yeah, we have one day off a week, basically. So we're working. Working hard. I am uh, busy doing all kinds of other crap, getting ready for shows. Album release show coming up soon for Story of the Year. I'm trying to remodel my basement to be um, not this. <laughs> it looks great, though. Here's the thing about Star Wars. Part of the decor is piles of stuff. So you <laughs> yeah. have piles of stuff behind you. I just need uh, <laughs> cooler looking piles and less 70s uh, wood paneling. <laughs> really? Yeah tie the room together this all this foam actually it looks mm -hmm. like it's some kind of supplies or some crap yeah yeah that's Star you know? mm -hmm. yeah those base traps yeah that works <laughs> camtono food dehydrator that looks like it could be a droid absolutely it's real it's all real guys it's all true all right let's talk about the bad batch we're gonna get straight into it we're not even gonna mess with uh we're, we're just doing it stolen plants here we go what have you done with those plants the Bad Batch, Season 2, Episode 10, Retrieval. This is the second part of a two-part story. It wasn't paired like uh, the previous arc. It nonetheless is one big story, basically. Debuted today, February 22nd, 2023rd on Disney+. Plus. Disney Plus description, attempting to recover a lost asset, the Batch must learn to trust a thief. The lost asset is their ship. You should know that if you watched last week. <laughs> yeah. 
They could have just said that. Their house, they lost their house, attempting to recover their house. <laughs> Directed by Stuart Lee, as we all should know by now. Written by Moises Zamora. This is first time writing for Star Wars here. He wrote the Netflix Selena series, which I wasn't aware of. There's so much stuff on Netflix for like every genre, every demographic. It's just crazy. And he also wrote an episode of American Crime. I feel like that was a CBS show or something like that. Uh, the Bad Batch, like Mando, seems to be giving newer or less seasoned writers opportunities, kind of like uh, Favreau and Filoni are doing with Mando, like I said before. Yeah. And it's cool that they're pulling from demographics who have been underrepresented in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. So yeah. the, I, the way I look at it is like, give the rookies a shot. And if one of them works out, then you have a new director, you have a new writer, or like whatever. It's almost like a farm system. Yeah. For this is a sports reference. This is going to be mm -hmm. out of nowhere for me. St. Louis, the St. Louis Cardinals have a long history of this kind of farm system of bringing folks up from the minors or from other countries and making them like hometown players almost rather than just paying top dollar for players from all around the country who are already major league players. You yeah, know? yeah. I mean, look at what they did with uh, Rick Famuyiwa, right? Like he's yeah. what, executive producer of Mando now. Like yeah. he directed an episode or two. And then look at Deborah Chow, got her own series. You know, like that's, I feel like you have two success stories there already. For sure. Runtime on this episode is 29 minutes, just like last week. They're really keeping them like within that same time frame. They're, I feel like the, the script supervisor or the script editor approach that they're taking on this season, almost like, a comic book editor would be seems to be keeping them all pretty tight. So really close to 30 minutes on all these episodes guest starring Yuri Lowenthal as Benny and minor number one. Yuri's done lots of video game voices, including Peter Parker in the 2018 Spider-Man game, Alex Lee as Drake and minor number two. Alex has done a lot of video game and anime voices as well. Uh, he was on demon slayer Japanese anime show. That's redundant. Anime is Japanese. <laughs> and the Final Fantasy VII remake in 2020, which was a big deal. I'm not a gamer on that level, but people seem to be stoked on that. And he also worked on Raya and the Last Dragon, which is the Disney connection, I guess. And then Jonathan Lipow as Mako. He's been in a few Bad Batch episodes both seasons. He was Gunji and a bunch of others. He was also in Visions and Resistance. So he's racking them up. I definitely had a moment where, you know, I was still kind of groggy and looking at the notes and I was like, Jonathan Lithgow was Mako? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've seen weirder appearances, you know? Yeah, no, that made sense to me. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, that's, that says Lipow. So this episode, like we said, pretty much picks up right where we left off last week. The Batch's ship was stolen. They're trying to figure out how to find it, get it back, etc. So they're right there in that abandoned spaceport where they were. What was, uh, what was your immediate reaction? What did you think of this episode? Uh, it was fun. I got a very, not only visually at some points, a Temple of Doom vibe, but then they actually had like little kids in the mines. I was like, oh, this is a Temple of Doom-ish. Yeah, suspension bridge, the whole thing. Yeah, night. there was a lot of, there was, I mean, we've seen it so many times this season. So this is just the Indiana Jones season. You know, <laughs> like they're, they're using it all. So I don't know what they're going to, what else they're going to be able to use the rest of the season. But that was my overall impression. I thought it was fun. Um, I, I think as far as episodes that are sort of this adventure of the week, I think last week's was a little bit better, but I thought this was good. You know, I think this was on the upper end of uh the adventure of the week kind of episodes. Yeah, I thought it was fun as well. It wasn't earth shattering in terms of moving a, a larger plot forward or anything like that, but there was some good character development. It's really 
helping solidify that little clone with the heart of gold kind of thing that, that Omega brings to the crew. And it furthers the connection between Omega and tech and helps kind of solidify that, that unspoken new mission, unspoken for some of them, that there are more people that need help. And that's really what their place in the galaxy is rather than just being mercenaries or, uh, or smugglers or some crap. Mm-hmm. Let's get into the synopsis. Hey, everyone. We want to take a moment to tell you about the sponsor of this podcast, Roosevelt's. You may know Roosevelt as the company who makes those rad all over print button downs with just about every franchise that you love. They, of course, have Star Wars because this is a Star Wars podcast, but they also have Harry Potter, Disney, Pixar, Marvel, NASA, WWE, The Office, Nickelodeon, Rick and Morty, Friends, all kinds of other stuff, including new lines from Yellowstone and The Godfather. And not just button downs, but t-shirts, they do shorts, jackets, hoodies, koozies, flannels, so many different kinds of items, so many dope designs. So if you're interested in picking something up for the first time, go to rsvlts.com and use promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off your first purchase. Once again, that's rsvlts.com. Use promo code THANKTHEMAKER to get 20% off of your first purchase. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Batch, like I said, are at the abandoned spaceport and they're repairing an old and busted looking speeder so they can make it to the city where they assume their ship is. Omega remembers that their gonk droid, Gonky, clever name, is still on the ship and uses his binary reference code to locate him and the ship because they, uh, they've got that antenna there that they powered up. She's connecting her device and she's finding Gonky via this, um, I don't know, this network or whatever, right? Yeah, I guess tech would, like, that seems like an idea tech would have, but he was a little distracted. So she yeah. came up with that idea, which is cool. Cut to the Marauder being flown by the thief. This is Benny, the character Benny. Gonky's bopping around in there. Thief is unmasked. We see Benny's face, right? There was a little speculation. I, I think it was, I want to say it was Skynobi Star Wars, that account, had a still from the, from the trailer mm-hmm. that I thought he got from an advanced copy or something. I texted everybody, like, what the hell? What is he doing leaking next week <laughs> yeah. stuff, you know? But it was from the trailer. He was speculating that it was Lux Bonteri. Had that kind of like... Youthful look, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah, yeah, definitely similar. But turns out to be this dude named Benny, who is very much like a little Han Solo, you know, on Corellia at the beginning of Solo. He ends up delivering the ship to his boss, a dude named Mako, which we uh, referenced earlier. He's giving like super major Lady Proxima slaver vibes, like indentured servitude, this Mm -hmm. whole kind of thing, like, you know, the, the slave kids in the mines, like you're talking about in Temple of Doom. Mako says they're gonna scrap the ship, sell it piece by piece. There's a lot of tension in this scene when he delivers it. It's kind of like, where the hell were you? What took so long? Now this. Okay, well, this isn't standard. This is going to stick out like a sore thumb. I'm going to have to scrap this. Yeah. So instead of good job, it's, you know, picking apart anything he can to make sure that he keeps the upper hand because he's a shady dude. Yeah, yeah. 
Benny's kissing his ass, hoping to be put in the running for top earner. That's kind of how this works. You know, they, they're mining things. They're, they're stealing stuff. They're scraping by, according to Mako, this turns out to be crap. Typical, like, kind of, you know, person in power manipulating the people that he controls kind of situation. Mako gives him a little drink of water from a canteen, and then he gives him gonky as a, quote, gift. You know, he's very generous, you know, <laughs> total piece of shit. This dude, like, yes, it's an indentured servitude thing, but it's also very mafia-like, you know? Like, they're working for his protection in a way. Yeah. But they're yeah. so brainwashed that it's kind of, I mean, it's obvious to us from the outside, right? And it's obvious to the batch pretty quickly. I, f I forget what the line was, but I feel like there seemed like there was hope at the end of, yeah. like, all the work. Exactly. You know, like, one day it won't be this way yeah. if we just keep working hard. We'll get to that in a little bit with the other thing that he's using to leverage them. So... Mm -hmm. Back at the spaceport, the batch uh, fixes the speeder. They make their way to the city, where the ship is, where Benny is, Mako, etc. They sneak in. They find Gonki. They capture Benny, rough him up a little bit, and force him to take them to the ship. He does this reluctantly. Turns out the Techno Union ran these mines during the war, during the Clone Wars, we would assume, and Mako took over when they were forced out. There's no more detail on that, but it's interesting nonetheless. Yeah, we haven't really heard Techno Union since the prequels, I don't think. Right, yeah. I mean, there was, uh, what's his name, the kind of frog-looking dude with a metal face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that dude who popped up in the Clone Wars quite a bit. But, mm -hmm. yeah, that's a, a name I've not heard for a long time. <laughs> so they get there, they make a plan to get the ship. They can't use blasters because of all the Ipsium everywhere, which is super volatile. The one covert route that Tech figures out is down a smokestack that's at kind of the center of the whole thing that releases a fiery exhaust, kind of just like full blowtorch style out the top of the stack every 60 seconds. This all leads to a super suspenseful little action scene where Hunter has to rappel down. He fights a droid hand to hand. He wins, of course, the crew makes it in. It's just like, you know, last second style thing, just very adventure movie style. You know, they're counting down like five seconds left, that whole kind of thing. He jumps through the door, fire comes blazing through, but then it's all good. Crew meets him down there, and they infiltrate, right? So along the way, Benny is talking about Mako having to lower wages to keep the mine up and running because he claims that the Ipsium has become degraded. This is kind of what you were saying earlier. Yeah. Like the hope is, well, if we work harder, we'll, we'll get to better Ipsium that won't be degraded, and then, you know, we'll get more soup or, <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> right? So they find the ship. It's already been disassembled to some degree. The hyperdrive has been removed, bunch of crap. It's looking like hell. Very much like Mando, you know, he finds his ship after the Jawas parted out. So the crew starts repairing the ship, and Benny and Omega go to get the shield codes from a control room sort of at the center again, or I guess there's a tower where there's a control room, so Tech can disable the ray shield on the base when it's time for them to bail out. Benny swipes a key from another worker named Drake. Mako shows up in this room full of the workers and announces, says it's time to announce the top earner for the quarter. Turns out to be Drake, same dude as usual. There was a conversation about like, was it going to be you again? It's always <laughs> you. So Mako rewards him with a bowl of soup. That's wild. Imagine was... working a quarter, <laughs> an entire quarter, yeah. and getting a bowl of soup. <laughs> it's also like, a, uh, what's his name in The Force Awakens? You know, uh, one quarter yeah. portion. What's his name? Ankar. Ankar. Ankar Plot. Plot? Plot. 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 Plop. I think plop, it's plop. On your chest. <laughs> Mako claims rations are low. Everyone has to work harder and longer, shifts just to survive, throws another bowl of soup at the whole group. They all fight over it. And it's this thing, like, I 
totally get it. And it's great at illustrating the point, but I hate this stuff in movies and TV shows. Not because it's bad, just because it grosses me out and makes me uncomfortable when somebody's eating really fast and sloppy. Oh, God. What a, oh, it's so gross, dude. Yeah. Whether they're fighting over it or it's him being just the rich slob asshole who's slopping up all the food in the back room. Yeah. Yeah. Gross. It was actually disgusting. Yeah. It's like, uh, what's that other character in The Clone Wars? He's got kind of a voice like this. Mm. You know what I'm talking about? That guy? Mm. He's always spitting everywhere and eating sloppy crap. (sighs) Close your mouth. (laughs) anyway omega and benny make it to the control room omega starts downloading the shield codes while she's going through the files she finds some reports showing that mako's claims that the ipsium is degraded are all bullshit so they have this conversation about mako why this crew works for him benny says that mako quote looks out for them this is his home you know why why would he ever leave Omega talks about the Marauder being her home, so they kind of connect there, and then Benny apologizes. So it's a good little moment of connection. Omega gives him some food. He's surprised that she would just give up her food. So they're kind of telling each other a lot about themselves as characters and their and their place in the universe and connecting on that. So it's a good little kind of exposition moment, of which we have a lot throughout. Like this whole plot has these sprinkled little exposition moments along the way to fill in the backstory of Mako and the crew and everything. Back at the ship, some workers show up and they catch the Bad Batch, kind of who the hell are you, what are you doing here kind of thing. Mako shows up at the control room, takes Omega prisoner, turns out Benny ratted her out. He's just trying to gain favor with Mako still, even though, I mean, it's becoming more and more obvious. Omega's like, why do you put up with that crap from him? He doesn't seem like he cares about anybody but himself. But nonetheless, he's trying to gain favor. So he gave her up. The Batch and Mako end up in a standoff on a suspension bridge, like we talked about earlier. Straight indie style. I was just waiting for somebody to pull out a machete yeah, and right. threaten to chop it. Well, there was a point I feel like he put his like cane on there or something. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, they're actually doing it. And then <laughs> it just wasn't the case. And uh, they bring out Omega. She's kind of up on another catwalk up there. They're holding her hostage. Benny shows up. It's like every, everyone's just sort of converging on this one point. And he calls out to the whole group that Mako has been bullshitting them. He has the files. He holds up Omega's device. And Mako, of course, is like, don't listen to him. He doesn't know what he's talking about and gives the order to throw Omega over the edge. Hunter ends up saving her with, again, a full-blown Indiana Jones-style swinging on a rope grappling hook move. The crew then turns on Mako. They close in on him from either side on the bridge. And in the fight, he gets knocked off the bridge. He's hanging there kind of by one one claw because we didn't mention he's got some kind of like prosthetic limbs going. He's got a claw hand. He's got some stuff like this. So he's hanging there. And still, after all this, Benny reaches out and says, give me your hand. He grabs his hand, but then ultimately falls to his death. And that's kind of the end of the drama there. Later, Benny meets the Batch on the landing platform as they're about to leave. Omega asks what they'll do now. Benny, of course, says they're going to run the mine themselves and just stay there and drops the, uh, if you ever need a thief line, yeah. setting up you know potential return later. And it closes with a great couple of lines between Omega and Tech, really putting a bow on everything that they learned about each other in the last episode. Omega says, the Empire's not the only threat. We've seen so many in the galaxy like Mako. And Tech responds, unfortunately, yes. However, there are many more like us out there as well. And that is something. Great way to end it. It's a good line. Yeah, I like how they they brought it full circle, you know? And it's not out of character, but it's a more evolved kind of character moment for Tech you know, rather than the uh, the cold, hard 
practical response of, yep, there's bad stuff everywhere. That's just mm-hmm. how it is. You know, he, he actually tries to like reassure Omega a little bit saying that there, there are more like us, like us out there. So now he's owning that too, that, that new mission, like we talked about at the top. Yeah. I mean, maybe last week was just an actual turning point. All right. Let's discuss a couple things. I have one little certain point of view thing that we'll just put in the discussion. I'm not trying to make a full segment out of that, but just a, just a couple points I want to talk about. One that's interesting. This is again, more character development for the batch themselves. So, you know, separate from Omega, you know, these soldiers that are now like a little, a little more caring, a little more compassionate, a little more personal rather than uh, just being like the, the straight up soldiers that they've been. Benny, when they get the ship back and they get Gonky back, Wrecker's like, you okay, buddy? And Benny goes, what do you care about how that thing's doing? It's just a beat up old battery. And Omega says, not to us. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> not only are we getting like more depth with gonk droids, which is funny, but cool. But, you know, it's, it's Wrecker and the other like just straight up soldiers having a little more personal touch when it comes to the relationships and things like this. Obviously, yeah. like o- Omega's been this way since the beginning, but it's cool to see Wrecker on that same level. Mm-hmm. It reminded me a little bit of a... Uh Little Leia and her cousin, too. Yeah. When they're at that little, like, uh, I guess all the adults are having drinks or whatever, and she says thank you to her droid or something. And he's like, yeah. why did you do that? Droid rights! We are <laughs> sentient! Yeah, I'm about that. And then this uh, little certain point of view thing. We've talked about this many times. I feel like it's mostly with the animated stuff, but there's quite, quite a bit of Mando. probably, right? Yeah, so Mando as well. So they're repairing this speeder, which is essentially a motorcycle to get to the town on what tech refers to as the other half of the hemisphere. Hemisphere meaning half of a planet. <laughs> so the question is, if, if we want to try to justify this in a way, make this work, play devil's advocate, are planets just smaller in Star Wars? <laughs> I have a bunch of points written down here, but do you have any thoughts? I, that's the only way I could think of it. I feel like there's, there's an instance in like a Futurama episode. Wasn't in the new Thor Weren't they on like kind of a tiny planet? Yeah, they were because they crashed. It was like almost like yeah. a moment of comedy. They crashed like the a ship or something and like the view of it was just like, oh, it's a small planet. So yeah. I'm going with that small planet. So if, if that's the case, it makes me think of Earth's moon, mm-hmm. which has one sixth of Earth's gravity. But it seems like every place, it doesn't seem like, but essentially every place anyone goes in Star Wars has at least like a 1G Earth equivalent gravity that mm-hmm. they can just walk around on. No one's bouncing around. The only weightlessness you see is out in the emptiness of space for the most part. I mean, maybe there was a, I don't know. Have we ever seen anyone bouncing around like that? Mm. It's either walking or floating, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So let's suppose it's the size of Earth's moon. The gravity is like that because the mass of the moon is so much less. It's like 1% or something of Earth's mass. I don't remember this exactly off the top of my head. And, and that's not just because of the size of the planet. It's like the mass of the material that makes up the moon. So I wonder, and I, I there's a guy who's going to be a guest on this podcast at some point who's going to talk through this kind of stuff with us, but can something be as small as Earth's moon, which has a circumference of 6,700-ish miles? So going halfway across is like going from here in St. Louis to the West Coast. Mm-hmm. You could drive it in a day if you're going 70 miles an hour and stopping a couple times for gas. So in theory, if it only takes a day to get somewhere, which would be reasonable when they show up at this town, it's dark. That's fine. But if, if this is a moon-sized thing, why is there so much gravity? Is the core of it made up of like 
denser, heavier elements in the core? Yeah, I mean, that's certainly... Or does it need to be... I wonder if they're even thinking of that, you know? Yeah. Like <laughs> because the, the moon is pretty... Um, it's, it's not very dense. It's very lightweight material. It's a lot of just... It doesn't have, you know, a thick iron and nickel core like Earth. Mm-hmm. I, I went as far as to like... I spent like a good half hour or so just digging through periodic tables and, and you know, chemistry websites and shit trying to figure this out. Like if it has a core like that, does it need to be as big or is it more like it's small? So therefore you're closer to the mass in the middle. Mm. Therefore the gravity is okay. Both of those work, I feel. Or maybe Ipsium itself is a really heavy element or is made up of heavy elements. Like let's suppose it's an element that only exists in Star Wars, right? Mm. Maybe there's a bunch of that in the core and... Therein lies the gravity. You're convincing me. All right. You know more than I do, and that all sounded reasonable, but I do wonder if when they're writing, they think about that stuff at all. Science. <laughs> all right. There's only one thing in the Den of Antiquities. Do we even want to hit the button, or do you just want to... I mean, it could also just stick in the discussion. I don't know if it's necessarily a den item. Well, let's do that. We're having a multi-segment segment. segment. <laughs> Talk about this a little bit. Um, so, so gonky and gonk droids, we've only ever heard them say gonk is the only like audio output that they have ever like output. <laughs> um, <laughs> so so you, you feel the same, right? You've never yeah, heard anything other? Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard them say anything else. And you made a good point in the notes saying it sounds a little bit like Huddies, which yeah. is interesting. And I, yeah, I think that's the first time. I can't think of any other instance that we've heard anything other than gonk come yeah. out of a gonk droid. And the first, I mean, the name and everything came from A New Hope, right? The first mm-hmm. gonk in the, yeah. the Jawa Sandcrawler. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it makes me wonder, we hear Huttese all over the place. Huttese. Uh, is, it, is it like English in a way? I'm just, we're just like thinking out loud. You know, it just becomes kind of a standard language from imperialism and colonization and the huts being shady kind of pieces of shit generally mm-hmm. are out there just kind of doing their business out in the galaxy, making people work for them. It seems like it, it's almost like the, the second most common language to basic, which is what they call English, right? Yeah, could be. I mean, there's that like pseudo possible like imperialism from the huts mm-hmm. has a, somehow infiltrated a gonk droid. Maybe it's just gonky too. Who knows? Yeah, or maybe uh, the huts or some area that they occupied created gonk droids. Like they're, you know, whatever the the Ford plant equivalent is for gonk droids exists in hut space, and they just uh, manufacture those and ship them out. Hmm. I don't know. Fun stuff. Interesting. I love hearing new sounds that fit well and expand, you know, a language mm-hmm. or like a a sound palette for something. Yeah, it's fun because so much of just even sound design is almost like a den and den of antiquities thing, especially with animation. So it's good that we're just also at the same time that they're reusing some video game stuff or some old like prequel era sound files. Like they're also creating new, which that's the way to be. I like that. All right, let's do. I love you. I know. I love you. I know. Favorite moments, favorite quotes, favorite scenes, etc. I did not ask the patrons for favorites this week. Uh, there's two in Discord. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nick, tell us. Sky's the Limit says, The sappy bit when Omega is upset by all the badness in the galaxy and tech replies with, However, there are many like us out there as well, and that is something. I feel like that's going to wind up being mine and possibly yours. 
your favorite moment also. And Maddie Gunner says, my favorite moment was Hunter scaling down the inside of the chute like Mission Impossible. Yeah, he did that like uh, face first repelling, walking down the wall mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. It was pretty sick. How about you? What's your favorite, Nick? Um, maybe just to, to highlight another moment. Uh, I do like that line, the lines between Omega and Tech, but I'll say just the actual Hunter and Omega kind of teaming up to you know rescue Omega basically when they were about to throw her in the in the in the pit. The indie um, moment, the, the, yeah. the swinging rope. And yeah. I, I just think that like it showed Omega being comfortable making decisions and like you know death defying decisions at the same time it showed their connection it worked obviously but i also think that the score was was great there that was like a real movie moment the kiners like they, they crushed the, the the score at that moment yeah it did i thought about that quite a bit as it was happening and, and forgot to write it down that there was like an implied trust that omega had you know that hunter was going to catch her and hunter you know I, I i guess it's implied that he he trusted her to um have the skill to pull it off. You know, he didn't have to just straight up save her. He knew that he, he would go 90 and she would come 10 and they would, they would make it out. So yeah, that was, that was really good. I think my favorite is probably the same thing going down the smokestack because the whole thing was just paced really well. It was, it was really short. It was just kind of one step to get them further towards their goal. But I loved how it was very mission impossible. Just like you said, the calling out of, you know, 30 seconds left, five seconds left, the timing of it, the way all, all the shots were composed, it, it was just really good, really good action movie stuff. Lower stakes at that moment, but it was made suspenseful nonetheless. So that's probably my favorite. Although on a, an emotional and character development level, the final lines are pretty yeah. top of the list. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Good episode. Um, I'm excited to see what's next week. Yeah, I mean, we have four episodes left, and the finale is two at once, right? So, yeah, getting to uh, the nitty gritty. I will say that that I'm I could be wrong, but it feels like there's more adventure of the week this this season than last because we're 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 just past like 66 percent of the episodes, right? Because there's 15, I want to say. I think so. We're we're two thirds through now, and it's like, wow, I think we have got like four of those episodes moved the plot forward, you know? So Yeah, we haven't even seen Crosshair in four or five episodes, oh right? Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. You know, like I'm 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 surprised more than anything. It's not like a negative or positive feeling. I'm more surprised with how the season's gone down through eleven episodes so far. Like just presentation of story. Yeah. It makes me wonder if if that was part of the reason they decided to go ahead and let part of it run concurrently with The Mandalorian which airs next week. Mm -hmm. So that makes me wonder if the way they paired up the episodes influenced that. And if we're going to get another kind of light one, because the premiere of Mando is going to be such a big deal. Yeah. We will be covering both Mm -hmm. or making an attempt. I'll be making an attempt to have enough energy and ability to stay awake (laughs) to record and edit the full coverage. Next two weeks are definitely shady for me. I lucked out by having a day off right now, but I'm in Cincinnati and then New York. So I'll be in venues. I just, that's, that's a wild card as far as noise and all that stuff goes. So I don't want to miss Mando. That's for sure. We'll make it work regardless. You will have a podcast listeners and patrons. You'll have a podcast to watch. So if you aren't a patron, as we sort out this video thing, which we've been talking about forever, we're finally getting there. I published last week on the Thank the Maker Patreon 
a full video edit of the episode, which is what we're moving towards. We will at some point be on YouTube and kind of we're going to overhaul the um, or we're going to launch the overhauled Patreon. So if you want to see and hear an ad free video version of the podcast, patreon.com slash thank the maker pod is where you can do that right now until the video thing goes public. So you will have the back catalog of any bonus content we've done. We've done some other video stuff in the past and we've got this now again, ad free. We'll probably end up doing almost definitely end up doing just an ad free audio version as well for patrons. So consider that check it out. Patreon.com slash thank the maker pod. It's where you can go to support. It really is what makes this podcast work. All of my social stuff is at Adam the Skull, and you can follow this podcast at Think the Maker Pod on Instagram and TikTok. And all my socials are at Nick Bayside, and we have about, I don't know, two and a half weeks left of this tour. It's going amazing. It's a damn party every night. So if, you're, uh, if you have tickets, be prepared to party. Be prepared. Also listen to Princess and Scoundrel and Armor Party, two, two of the other podcasts on the network for Star Wars costuming and Star Wars park going and some Disney, some other Disney stuff. And that's all for us this week. We're wrapping up kind of uh, short and sweet. We'll hopefully have, um, well, we'll see what happens with Nick, Nick next week. I was going to say we ho- hopefully have the whole crew, but time will tell. So everyone, thanks for listening. Nick, thanks for being here. Patrons, thanks for being patrons. And until next week, may the force be with you. 